This is Here Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. Okay, so I'm going to look up some apartment listings for the central Phoenix area. And so I am zooming in on downtown right now. Okay, the first thing I clicked on is $2,400 a month for a two-bedroom in a high-rise luxury condo. And right up the street from that, here's another one. $3,995 for a two-bedroom. $1,600 for a one-bedroom. $2,980 for a two-bedroom. But it's pet-friendly. All right, those are pretty expensive. So minimum wage in Arizona is about $11 an hour. So let's say you make just a little bit more than that. We'll say you make like $14 an hour. That comes out to like a, like around $29,000 a year. And that comes out to about just over $2,400 per month. So if you wanted to stay within that 30% of your income to put toward rent, then you'd have to stay below like $800 for rent. So I'm gonna put the maximum rent at $800 and see how that looks. That really narrows down your options. Let's see. $799 for a micro studio. That sounds small. Okay, this says $229. Oh, but then when you click on it, that's the weekly rate. So that's gonna be more than $800 a month and that's for like a room in, it looks more, more like a motel. So these are pretty tiny. If I had a kid in this scenario, I'd probably want like at least two bedrooms. So let's see what comes up if I set the maximum price to $800, minimum bedrooms to two. Update the search. There is not a lot. Some of these look like they're probably scams. This is just an ad for like house cleaning service. These aren't real listings. So if you're making a low income, but you work in central Phoenix and want to stay close to that neighborhood, it really doesn't look like you have a lot of options that you could realistically afford on just one income down here. From here, Arizona, this is Unaffordable. I'm Katherine Davis-Young. If you've been following along with us, you've heard about how Phoenix just wasn't designed for affordability. Wages in Arizona haven't risen at the rate housing prices have, and there are tons of obstacles to new housing construction, from zoning regulations to community opposition. But when it comes to building affordable housing, the biggest obstacle by far is the price tag. Real estate is really numbers. You know, you buy a piece of land, you build for a certain amount of money, and you have to charge a certain amount of rent or sales price to recoup your funds. Uh, it simply just doesn't pencil. The issue of affordability has to do with the cost of production and that cost of production has to do with market forces. So it's just a matter of money. <laughs> yes, yes. To put millions or tens of millions of dollars into a new apartment complex, then to charge super low rents on the finished units, that doesn't add up. But that's not to say it never happens. The roof is going on right now as we speak. I can see the 
the roof truck right there pumping up the uh, spray foam. As we That's speak. Joe Keeper with Native American Connections. You may have heard him in our last episode. He's the director of real estate for the Phoenix nonprofit. And we talked to him on the construction site of a new building on 2nd Avenue that will have 74 units of housing. Rents here will start at less than $500 a month which is cheap, especially if you're familiar with rent prices downtown lately. Remember those prices at the top of this episode? Keeper says a ton of people who work around downtown Phoenix can't afford to live in most of the housing that's getting built in this area. You know, down here I would say it's definitely a mix of service workers that are either in the hotel or the convention center or perhaps one of the um, sports arenas. I see it a lot of sort of underemployed, um, you know, folks today, you know, they might have two or three part-time jobs to make up the equivalency of what would have been an old full-time job that had benefits. You know, Uber drivers, fast food workers, whatever the case might be, folks just trying to scrape by and make a living. Keeper's organization, Native American Connections, builds housing like this for low-income people all over the city. Altogether, the organization manages about 400 units of affordable housing. That's in addition to homelessness programs, health services, and more. And they don't cut corners on these apartments. Many of their buildings are LEED certified or super energy efficient, which doesn't come cheap. But to residents, the low rents and low utility bills make a huge impact. Nobody considers all the, the extra expenses. You got two kids who need shoes. You got two kids who need clothes every season. You have, you have laundry expense. Laundry expense is ridiculous. Just quarters just to do loads of laundry. We're talking about all the, just the little things that nobody thinks about. Maria lives in one of the Native American Connections buildings. She didn't want us to share her last name because she's a single mom who came to Phoenix fleeing a domestic violence situation. She has two kids, no child support, and when she was starting over in Phoenix, she was trying to get by waiting tables. Rent's astronomical. It's just very expensive. If you look for anything in this area, you're looking at $1,200, $1,000 a month. When you're a single mother, and like I said, nobody considers all the incidentals. They really don't. She's been in a Native American Connections building about three years now and says her apartment is clean and comfortable, much nicer than anything else she could have afforded around town. I was so grateful when I qualified. And just the life that they've given us is peace, it's quiet, it's structured. They love the kids here. Um, Christmases here are just, they're so generous to the kids. I know the kids can play outside safely. I know um, my daughter can just hop the train and go where she needs. She's not walking through neighborhoods. Maria can afford her rent, her kids are safe, she's got easy access to the light rail and the bus, she was able to find a better job. It's exactly the kind of outcome the organization hopes for when it builds affordable units in the center of the city. You're near lots of jobs, you're near services, good schools, and you're, you have public transportation that's easy and accessible to you. 
it can make a big difference in the stability uh, and the lifestyle of that family. Didi Yazi Devine is the president and CEO of Native American Connections. She's seen just what kind of difference stable housing makes for people with low incomes. But she also knows firsthand developing affordable housing is a huge undertaking. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. That complex they're building downtown, it'll cost around $20 million to build. But all that expense won't be put on the renters. You know, it's funny as I've walked by that construction site and just assumed it was more luxury condos. I'm sure you did. And that really makes me happy because we want people to walk by and say, I want to live there. And they have no idea that it's, you know, an affordable housing community. So the organization is putting up these homes in the middle of downtown Phoenix, one of the most expensive places to build in the region. How do they manage to keep that affordable for renters? Well, one of the resources the organization relies on to get these projects off the ground is the Federal Low Income Housing Tax Credit Program. It's been around since the Reagan era, and it allows a certain amount of tax credits for each state. Those tax credits get divvied up to state agencies. Here, it's the Arizona Department of Housing. Then those state agencies pass the tax credits on to organizations working on housing projects for low-income people. And those organizations can sell the tax credits to banks or investors and use that sale money as equity to get those homes built. It's really complicated. It's probably the best way across the country to really expand your affordable housing, but it's a very limited program. Some people will say, it, it, you know, it takes a couple hundred thousand dollars to get the tax credit application ready. You have to have site control, you have to have some uh, preliminary drawings, you have to have some environmental market studies. Native American Connections has been around for more than 40 years. It started as a program for homeless Native American men and has grown to be one of the largest affordable housing providers in the state, serving Native Americans and other populations. All that is to say it's a big, well-established organization. Divine and her team have been through this process several times and know how it works. Not just any developer can do that. And then uh, once you're awarded, you have a two-year period to get it in place because it's a federal program. It sits in U.S. Treasury. There's a lot of legal work that goes along with that. Here's the thing about low-income housing tax credits. This spring, the Arizona Department of Housing got 27 applications for the program. Native American Connections was one of dozens of developers and housing organizations that put in a proposal. If all those projects got built, that would create just under 2,000 units of new affordable housing all around the state. Great, right? Well, when you add up the budgets for all those proposed projects, the Department of Housing would have to give out more than $40 million in tax credits. The problem? The state has less than half that much from the feds to give away each year. So developers come up with these ideas to build affordable housing, but even after a long planning and application process, there's no guarantee the state will award them the tax credits they budgeted for. That means all those projects might not happen. So out of the nearly 2,000 affordable housing units proposed, just 879 are getting funded around Arizona this year. 
the state's shortage of affordable housing units is estimated to be in the hundreds of thousands. It's okay if low-income housing tax credits don't make sense to you. They barely make sense to the people who work with them. Just know that these federal tax credits help housing organizations a lot, but maybe not enough to match the scale of the problem. Devine says there's just no way organizations like hers can keep up in central Phoenix or anywhere. So my guess is there's probably been less than 400 affordable rentals in that central core, and, and I think it's 4,000 plus, you know, more upscale apartments that have gone in. So, no, I, I don't think it's kept pace whatsoever. So how can Arizona cover the gaps? The reality is, is that there's just not enough resources. Jones Service is executive director of the Arizona Housing Coalition. You heard from her in our first episode. Her nonprofit advocates for housing funding in Arizona. The federal low-income housing tax credit program has been instrumental in creating a lot of affordable housing in our community, but it, it is mind-numbing to think about the stack of capital that is needed to create these complexes. And one of the missing gaps is a state investment. But the statewide investment uh, to address affordable housing and homelessness has been paltry. Most states have some kind of housing trust fund, dedicated revenue for affordable housing that can supplement federal dollars. Indiana funds affordable housing with a tax on chewing tobacco. Massachusetts uses those fees you pay when you file government documents. And Arizona has a way of funding affordable housing, too. Or at least it's supposed to. In Arizona, the State Housing Trust Fund dates back to 1988, and it's paid for by unclaimed property. If someone dies without leaving their house to anyone in a will or a bank account goes dormant, the state used to be able to take some of that money and put it in a pot for housing. At its peak, that brought in tens of millions of dollars a year for repairing homes or assisting first-time homebuyers or creating new low-income housing. But all that changed a few years ago. It was unfortunately capped at $2.5 million during the Great Recession. Since 2010, the State Housing Trust Fund has been limited to just a fraction of what it once was. I work hard, you know, and I know others that work hard as well. Remember Chanel Sinclair? She's the single mom who moved to Arizona a few years back, but struggles to afford housing on her teacher's aid salary. I mean, I think that they should build more housing and apartments in better areas because it's not like that we sit at home and, and, and want a handout. By the time Chanel moved here in 2015, the state hadn't been fully funding affordable housing for five years. I didn't know that. I really didn't know it until you guys um, brought it up just now. I think more places like low-income apartments and housing should be available because it was hardly any available. As hundreds of people like Chanel move to Arizona every day and demand for housing keeps rising, that funding still hasn't been fully restored. Those funds haven't been restored because there's been a lot of competing priorities down at the state legislature. And there, you know, there's a lot of valiant ones. A lot of the efforts around teacher pay and criminal justice reform and health care, definitely worthy causes. But again, housing is, is, is definitely a piece of that pie. But it's not like state lawmakers have forgotten about this. 
Leela Alston is a state senator. What we're seeing is a lot of apartments going up. I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to see the sky when I walk out my back door, but they're not affordable. Alston's district covers central Phoenix and part of Scottsdale. She's a Democrat. Even professionals like firefighters and policemen and teachers uh, in many areas of our state cannot live in the communities that they're serving in because there's no affordable housing. One thing that a lot of people have brought up to us is the state housing trust fund, which I understand during the recession got capped. Why, Why did that happen during the recession and why now that there's been a recovery, why hasn't that been restored? Well, I I think for one thing, the majority members have not seen that as a important issue in their districts and they control the budgets. We really need that funding restored because of the critical nature of not only affordable housing or workforce type housing, for middle-income families, but also for low-income families and special populations. Senator Alston says restoring the State Housing Trust Fund is a high priority for her. But so far, she hasn't gotten all of her colleagues to agree. Of course, Alston is a Democrat in a Republican-majority Senate. But Republicans have had a tough time, too. The bill to restore the Housing Trust Fund is one that I introduce every single year. And this year, I gave it to Heather Carter to introduce, and she didn't get a hearing on it either. State Senator Heather Carter is a Republican. She represents the northern end of Phoenix. We cannot wait on this another day for the state of Arizona. I think any large city, urban area across the country is facing challenges around homelessness and affordable housing. And unfortunately, I think the issue is even more critical in our state. Why do you think it is that other of your colleagues in the Senate don't see it as important as you do? I'm not sure if it's fair to say they don't see it as important. However, we're a citizen legislature and every member is duly elected from their community and as such campaigned on a particular issue. So they may have a priority that is equally worthy, but is above the housing trust fund in their budget asks. And that's the legislative process. Senator Carter says it's not so much a Republican issue or a Democrat issue. It's just about costs and priorities. How do you go about incentivizing the market to provide affordable housing and do so in a way that doesn't break the state bank so that now you're facing financial challenges on the education side of the state budget or on the health care side of the state budget. So this year, once again, the state housing trust fund bill never got a hearing in the state Senate. But as far as I'm concerned, as long as we're still in session, every legislative idea good or bad, is still viable and could come up at any point in time. Mr. Chairman, remember Senate Bill 1458 is the General Appropriations Act, also known as the Feed Bill. The bill makes various changes to the FY2020 This year's state budget negotiations lasted late into the spring, weeks beyond what was supposed to be the end of the session. 
Legislators were at the state capitol late into the night in some contentious debates trying to work everything out. We believe this is a prudent budget. Do you know what, what's not on the budget? Your vote. Arizona is in the top five fastest growing states one, for homelessness. I'm very concerned about percent the, of that the money that is not included in the housing trust fund. There's a lot oh, missing I out of this budget. But in those tense final days of planning the state's spending before the end of the fiscal year, lawmakers agreed to put $15 million toward affordable housing. Mr. Speaker, I move that the House of Representatives of the 54th Legislature first regular session do now adjourn sine die. Thank you for that motion. We've been waiting a long time for that. I guess all in favor, say aye. Those opposed will say nay. Beers, the eyes have it, do have it, and so ordered, we are adjourned. For Jones' service, it's an encouraging step in the right direction, but not necessarily a long-term solution. We're pleased with that one-time investment, but we know that this, you know, one-time cash infusion is not going to address the sustaining issue of, of, of homelessness and the lack of affordable housing. Service's concern is that there's now about 10 years of lost funding to make up for. And while $15 million will definitely help, it's just a one-time thing. Lawmakers didn't make any plans beyond this fiscal year. If we did nothing else, it would go back to its statutory cap of $2.5 million. But of course, we're going to go back down uh, next legislative session and, and make sure that this is an ongoing conversation. More money in the fund isn't the final solution, but it does mean more services for homeless individuals, more assistance for people struggling to stay in their homes, and more potential for affordable housing to be built. The Arizona Housing Coalition estimates every $10 million invested in housing in the state would create more than $20 million in economic impact. That's an impact that would be felt by Arizonans like Chanel. I budget my money and I don't spend, I don't, if I have to buy clothes, it's every once in a while, you know, I take care of my clothes and, you know, I budget here and there. I definitely use Groupon or coupons. I, <laughs> I definitely budget. Chanel has a full-time job. She takes care of her family and she's good with her money. You know, me and my sister, we talk about how she used to break her crayons. And, you know, it started back when we was little, but she said, you, you never broke your crayons. I've always made my bed. She was totally opposite. So I've always been like that. I've always had jobs, even when I was 12, babysitting, because I was a responsible person. But when there's just not enough housing available for people with lower incomes, 2,995 for a two-bedroom, that's not something you can figure out just by tightening your belt or picking up some overtime hours or clipping coupons. The shortage of affordable housing in Arizona is getting worse. But at least lawmakers, nonprofits, businesses seem to be taking more notice. On the next episode, we'll talk about what Arizona could do next to avoid a housing crisis. Plus, I'm so excited, I get butterflies in my stomach. We'll find out how Chanel finally resolves her own affordable housing problem.
You just listened to Unaffordable from Here, Arizona. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. This podcast is made possible by support from the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust. Since we're a brand new show, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to check us out. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And since we're all about empowering our community, we want you to be a part of the conversation. Follow Here Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In this episode, you heard from Native American Connections, the Arizona Housing Coalition, and from some of your state senators. For more information about these people and other Arizona organizations that work on the issue of housing, head over to our resource page at hearearizona.org. Here, Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sun Sounds, Spot 127, Soundbite, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was reported, written, and produced by Rachel Aronoff and me, Catherine Davis Young, with contributions from Paul Atkinson. Linda Pastori is our executive producer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>